Hey, welcome to the Proving God's Will podcast. I am Pastor Jason Lohorn and your host. Listen, I'm hoping today's episode will inform you, challenge you, and cause you to follow Jesus Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Hey, on Proving God's Will today, I have got a guest with me in the room. His name is Dusty Desimony. He is the current pastor of West um, uh, West Main Baptist Church in Alexandria, Tennessee. Dusty, welcome to Proving God's Will. Hey, thanks for having me. Listen, Dusty, you and I have known each other for years, and uh, so our listeners, they they may know you a little bit or may be new to uh, Dusty Desimony. Now, one thing is for sure, when they hear your name, <laughs> they're going to know he's not from here. So where are you from, Dusty? Uh, from Lebanon. <laughs> Not, not too far down the road, Lebanon, Tennessee. I know it's very, very over dramatic. I, I was building it up to uh, you were hopefully thinking it was somewhere like exotic, but it's Lebanon, Tennessee. Well, Lebanon is how we pronounce it, and you know Lebanon. But of course, my my last name is uh, Italian in origin, and I like to say that I am uh, not necessarily Northern Italian. You know, with the up there with the mafia people, I'm Olive Garden Italian. Olive Garden Italian, I like it. Uh, Italian-American, I like that. And uh, I admit, I like your name, and uh, your persona is a little Italian. I, I, I see that. And uh, But listen, it's been good to uh, have you as a pastor in our area. And, uh, of course, I've known you for some years. Uh, but our listeners may learn some things about you today. Uh, but listen, you've been a pastor for uh, for eight years plus. Prior to that, you were a, a youth pastor. And we'll kind of get on onto that in just a minute. But before being a pastor of a church— and actually, even before you got married, what was uh, what kind of work did you do? What was your vocation? Oh gosh, I was uh, I worked in uh, shoe warehouses for quite a bit. <laughs> a lot of warehouse work. Uh, predating that was fast food, McDonald's. I worked for. I had a stint with Coca Cola for a couple of years, so I'm I'm well versed in <laughs> going for the big brands. Yeah. I like it. Well, now t- I tell you what, you've been in leadership though, and I think this is one of the things that may have put us together as friends early on you know I was um, your pastor way back in the day but you were already in leadership and um, and I was in leadership from the time I was 19 on and yes, that sounds like you yes sir um, famous footwear was one of the places you worked at you said McDonald's Coca-Cola um, so you've been in leadership for a long time uh, if you learned a lot of lessons along the way a ton a ton and you ever but we never arrive we never get to the place where we figured it all out I think there's times where you think, oh, I, I wish I didn't have all this leadership on me. <laughs> well, I think there's a reason why a lot of people do bow out and don't want to be a leader. There's a lot of pressure. You always feel like people are looking to you for answers. Certainly, you're a problem solver. Sometimes in the business world, maybe even ministry too, you put out fires. I know in my business leadership experience, it was it was good, though. It, I mean, it helped shape me. And I think the leadership that I was part of before the ministry prepared me for the ministry. Would you say that as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I love being a pastor. I love this calling of my life. When I was talking about sometimes you want to bow out, it's, I remember sitting in a uh, a warehouse I was at, and I remember my head was pounding. I had about 60, 70 people underneath me, and I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, what did I get myself into? <laughs> what did I get myself into? <laughs> I was your pastor back during those days, and I remember early on, you sensing a call on your life, but uh, before we even get to that, tell me about your wife, Rachel. How long have you guys been married, and how did y'all meet? Uh, we've been married, I think, going on fourteen years. You think? I, well, I didn't know you was going to put me on the spot <laughs> like that. I would have, I would have set this up precisely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we're going on fourteen years. 
or 13 years. Sorry, baby, if I'm wrong on that. Um, but she is, uh, uh, she is my better half. You know, most people, um, you know, they, they don't really necessarily like the, uh, me, but, uh, everybody loves my wife and, and she deserves it. She's a, she's a good one. Now you met each other. Listen, for you young people that may be listening to this, y'all met each other at church. Am I right? We did. You see, that's, you want to find a good husband or good wife. You go to church to find them. Amen. Amen. Uh, good deal. So you guys met at church and, um, how long did y'all date before you popped the question? Quit asking me precise I know. days and time. I, I think probably about uh, uh, two years. Two years, okay. Yeah. Folks, for you listening, listen, we, we stand in, uh, at a pulpit every week and we preach to dozens and dozens of people. That's easy compared to being asked questions about our family. <laughs> so, Especially your marriage and your wife. Like, how long have you been married? I mean, hey, yeah. I, I'm not 100%. But, so you dated a couple of years, been married 13, 14 years. Tell me about your call into the ministry and how, was it like a burning bush moment that happened overnight or was it just something like a, sort of like a, uh, a low pitch hum in the background leading you toward it? I think it was more low pitch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I had an idea early on, but, um, you know, you, you know my testimony and, and many people, especially the, the church I serve, uh, knows, you know, my testimony that I was, I was a runner. I was good at running, <laughs> not physically. If you see me, you understand that. Uh, but if you're I was, physically running, there's a bear chasing there you. There is absolutely something chasing me. And, <laughs> and, and no, I love people, and I'm here to serve people. But all I got to do is push one of you down. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I like it. So you were running from God. You were, um, of course, early on. I was, um, I was your friend. I was your pastor. Uh, I asked you to go to a pastor's conference, and that was before you ever accepted any kind of call into the ministry. But let me tell you something. Only pastors were at that conference for the most part. But I remember asking you to go, and I remember thinking, God, if you are doing something with Dusty, then this trip will be uh, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And um, did that play a role in probably shaping the fact that, that this was coming? And did you see it at that moment, thinking this is coming down the road for me? I believe I would have seen it if I wanted to see it. I believe for about 12 years, I just really tried everything to not see it. I'll tell you what, I remember back during that time, though, you were very hungry for the Word. And listen, every Christian needs to be hungry for God's Word. Absolutely. And if you're hungry for God's Word, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a pastor one day. But if God's calling you to preach, calling you to be a pastor, and and you have this hunger for the Word that does not go away, and um, you're in leadership and God begins to give you a glimpse of what's coming down the road. So so your famous footwear was the last place you worked, is that right, or no, before you went into ministry? No, I was uh, I was actually at NFIB. That's the last place I worked. So it was about, like I said, you remember me from famous footwear, but for 12 years I ran from my calling to preach. Uh, but I was at uh, NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business, for seven years. That was the uh, last place as far as uh, my secular work, which I don't consider pastoring work. I consider it my calling, but absolutely, that was my last, if you say, worldly job, I guess you could say. NFIB, I remember that. Um, you came um, to be our youth pastor over at First Baptist Church Gordonsville. Uh, I remember um, your ordination was back at uh, Rocky Valley. Is that right? Yes, sir. So at first you were stepping toward youth ministry, um, and you worked in youth ministry for a little while. How long did it take for you to realize that you're probably a pastor and maybe not a youth pastor. Well, if, if you look back to, um, if you date it simply from when I finally professed my calling, when I surrendered to my call, it'd be roughly a, a year. Uh, but if you look when I was serving, of course, 
saying I didn't want to hear from God. I mean, I do want to hear from him, but um, I tried to justify anything but being a pastor. Uh, so for about five or six years at Rocky Valley, I worked with the youth as well. So um, it probably took a process of probably six, seven years um, before, um, of course, and in that time I was running, but when I finally surrendered my call to be a, a pastor, a, a head pastor, lead pastor. During these years also, you became a father. So tell me about your kids. You've got uh, how many kids do you have and what's their ages and what are they into? I have four children. Uh, Caitlin's 22. She's a she's a teacher in, in Alabama. Amen. Um, I have uh, my next oldest is uh, Sophie. Um, Sophie is a uh, hoopster. She loves to play basketball, which blesses my heart. Um, Asher is eight. I'm sorry, he's nine. He just turned nine. No, he'll turn nine the twentieth. So, More of these tough questions. Well, well we just we just had one of those. We had a birthday party, so you know that's supposed to count. As, you know, but he's he's about to be nine, and uh, and he's just athletic. He's he excels at basketball uh, and uh, baseball. Uh, we have Ellie, that's four, and um, she's going to be a princess. <laughs> and, uh, be a princess, I like it. And my youngest daughter Hannah, when she was growing up, when she was like four or five years old, she tell you she would tell you that she was going to be a mermaid when she grew up, and and I told her I said, listen, MTSU might have a program for that. And uh, today in the culture that we have, you might could be a mermaid. I don't know. Uh, society says you can be anything you want to be. Hannah was, still wants to be a mermaid, and she's 19 now. So, I mean, Or you could sue somebody that don't let you be a mermaid. I mean, it's, it's gotten pretty crazy. <laughs> but during this time in youth ministry, but then also transitioning into being a pastor, you've got you know more kids into your household, having you and Rachel having been blessed by having more children. Um but now you transitioned from First Baptist Gordonsville. You came there, and you were going to be our youth pastor. You were there for, I can't remember, how long were you our youth pastor at, at First Baptist Gordonsville? It was right out of a year. Right out of a year. Yeah. And folks that are listening to this, one of my um, one of the things that I do in ministry is uh, oftentimes I prepare or help play a role in preparing a young man to go on to be a pastor. So over the years, there's been people like Charlie Wills, who's over at Baxter. He's been like New Home Baptist Church at Baxter. He's been there for years. Um, I played somewhat of a role in his ministry. Shane Ray, uh, you know, was someone that worked with me for some time and and just helped point in a direction a little bit. Um, Tim Schreier, who's a youth pastor up in um, Ohio. Actually, he's a, he was my youth pastor in Ohio, but now he is a pastor in Indiana. And then we have you here. It was a youth pastor and now a pastor, and so um, I kind of think that's one of the roles that I play is just to help a guy see that God can use them in pastoral ministry. And uh, years ago, I had someone, someone in one of the churches I pastored was talking to me about what they didn't like about, like, they didn't like bylaws in a church, they didn't like how a church has to have insurance, and there were a lot of things about the church that they said it's not in the Bible, and it was a youth pastor telling me this. He kept telling me all these things that's that's going on that's not in the Bible. I told him, I said, well, there's no youth pastor in the Bible either. And uh, he looked at me kind of funny. But um, but truly, I do think that if God's calling a man um, into the ministry, he may perhaps go into youth ministry for a time. But I believe if there's a call in his life, he eventually ends up being a, a lead pastor of a church. And so, um, so you did that, West Main Baptist Church called you as their pastor. Of course, they interviewed you. You went and preached a trial sermon, all those things. And um, how's it been? You've been there how many years? Eight years. Eight years, pastor of West Main Baptist Church. And for those of you listening in Kentucky or Ohio, that's here in Middle Tennessee. West Main Baptist Church is in Alexandria. Uh, if you're a DeKalb County person, you know that really well. But uh, but you've been um, 
so you're a Lebanon guy. Worked in Nashville for some years, worked in Lebanon for some years, and then youth pastor work in Smith County. And uh, But for the last eight years, you find yourself a DeKalb County person. And so are you a Tiger, or are you a uh, still a Lebanon Blue Devil? Uh, I mean, for the most part, I'm a Tiger. I mean, I have vested interest over at the West School since my daughter plays basketball. And that's oh, so you're a wife. Bulldog. You're a Bulldog. Yeah, I, I, Whatever. Yeah, a tiger, bulldog, you know, tomato, tomato, they're all the same anymore, right? <laughs> black and gold. Yeah. You're, you're black and gold, yeah. that's for sure. Um, let's let's take a sidetrack for just a minute. Tell me about, uh, uh, you're, you're a, a, a hoopster, you like basketball. I and do. Um, uh, what ba- what college basketball team do you follow? North Carolina Tar Heels. All right, you're going to have to probably leave my office right now. So yeah. Yeah, I'm a Kentucky Wildcat fan, and we're always in pretty good competition against North Carolina. We have... I think um, past North Carolina in total wins. Um, we've done that in the last five or six years, I think. Uh, we're both kind of stalling out this year. I'm not sure what to make of our programs. Well, at least Kentucky's year. in the uh, the NCAA tournament, right? Well, of course, we didn't deserve to be in the tournament. We <laughs> is North Carolina in the NIT? Uh, they declined it. We, <laughs> they they actually they should have. They were horrible. They declined it. Let me tell you something. They should decline it because the NIT stands for the Not In Tournament Tournament. So I don't blame North Carolina. To me, for North Carolina to be in the NIT, it is a it's a I won't say it's a slap in the face, but for their program, for their history, it's better off that they are not in the NIT. Agree? Well, I'll tell you that their play was a slap in the face. <laughs> I mean, it's really like a, almost a spiritual principle. To be honest, that you know, North Carolina has three. Uh, this past year, they had like three All-American, McDonald's All-Americans. And you know what? It, it, it looked like a bunch of kindergartners out there playing. I mean, it was just no ball movement, just a bunch of uh, shots jacked up out of nowhere, no no passing. It was uh, point guard dribble down, take a, a horrible shot. And they shot like the worst three-point percentage in the ACC conference. Oh, my goodness. But yet, they continue to shoot threes. And, you know, that's what we do when we're out of God's will is we – uh, we do things that are uh, from the hip, I guess you could say, and right. and out of order. And, and, man, I tell you what, it just always ends horrible, which it did for North Carolina. So would you like in North Carolina, and listen, Kentucky this year, they we're in the tournament. They tipped their hat to us a little bit. We got on a run there for a little while. We did. Sheboy is this um, the number one player in the nation. They keep telling me. I'm like, if he is, he should be leading us to be in the top ten. We, we, we somewhat barely get in the tournament. Would you say that that um, North Carolina and their style of basketball right now, what's happened this year for them and Kentucky and some other people, is kind of like a, a Christian that backslides. They kind of get away from their bread and butter. They get away from what has gotten them there over their history. They've gotten away from their normal type of existence, and now they're in a subpar moment. Is that fair to say? I would say based upon today's game, yes. Yeah. Now I'm just I've become a fan in knowing I used to love the three pointer. Um, my daughter, um, somewhat I mean she's a sharpshooter. She enjoys shooting three pointers. But oh, yeah. I've almost got to the point where I wish they go back to the old days where they would just shoot twos. I mean, or everything would just be two points. Right, right. Because it's ruined the game. There's no there's no camaraderie. There's no teamwork. But absolutely in today's culture or in today's time, uh, North Carolina, uh, their play style is completely. Uh, different than what they've won with. so There's no post play. Yeah. There's no high post, low post play, Absolutely. things like that. Now, listen, you know me, I relate things to the church. Let me tell you something. The church today, the church, the body of Christ as a whole, in in my opinion, 
like in basketball, the three points a flashy a flashy shot. You know, it's like everybody likes to it. It, it can change the momentum of a game. It's a it's a crowd pleaser. The church today, if you ask me, the body of Christ as a whole wants a bunch of three point shots. They want a bunch of bells and whistles when the post game the the serious getting close to the basket, staying close to the fundamentals for years as a church has made it solid. It's made it stay around. It's kept its doors open. But today, I think the body of Christ wants flashy things. And if they were like a basketball team, they would be shooting all threes and slam dunks, hardly anything in between. Would you agree with that? I think you're 100% right. <laughs> you know, the last game that Carolina played was against uh, Virginia. Now, I'd never really seen Virginia play this year, but – um, I mean, it was the complete opposite. This team dominated on the essentials, or what we call in the church walk, um, the foundational stuff. Yeah. You know, we get away from foundational stuff. I mean, but Virginia played amazing defense. There was ball movement. It was, uh, you know what, and nine times out of ten, unless there, there's some, you know, the, the team just gets absolutely hot and hits everything they throw up, usually the team that is more grounded in uh, teamwork and uh, defense uh, ball movement uh, is a team that's going to come out uh, on top. Absolutely. I, I look back at um, Kentucky season this year, same thing, and I'm disappointed with it. And um, I see some small schools that look scrappy, and you start watching how they play, and they're playing some old-school basketball. And I'm like, my goodness, they're getting it done. It's just it's almost like we forget what, what got us there. You know, for the body of Christ – I'm looking for, certainly we're looking for revival. We talk about it. It's a buzzword. Everybody's hoping for a revival. The problem is um, we want revival without the work, Absolutely. without the uh, repentance, and without the really um, obedience to God's word, following after him, you know, with all of our heart. We, we want him just to do some amazing things. We're kind of like the people maybe in Jesus' day as he was, walking in the Gospels and how he was performing miracles. You had people just wanting to see miracles. and um, But when his teaching got too hard for them, they would just peel away. And I remember he looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave as well? And and what Peter said, he says, oh, you, you have the words of life yeah. or you have the word of truth. And so today there's such a need for people to have this, uh, have the fundamentals or the principles of God's word deep in their heart and um, in the church today, is kind of struggling somewhat because we don't. Now, back to your story and, and um, you pastoring a church. Uh, you've been at West Main Baptist Church for a number of years leading. Um, tell, me, tell me some of the ministry opportunities you've had there. And listen, I know you. Um, you're, you're really a, a, a people person. Um, you're known down the street. Um, I could probably knock on any door in Alexandria, and they'll tell me they know who you are. Um, but um, but I know you've got some ministry. They got a food ministry that comes, that's offered at your church occasionally. And tell me about that and what happens and how often is that ministry there? Well, it's called God's Hands Ministry, and uh, actually, it's a sister church, a, a church from Lebanon, uh, and um, a lady that uh, comes to our church uh, had some contact with them um, because she knew them. She worked with uh, uh, the pastor's wife, and uh, so she asked. She said, "Hey." Uh, would you like maybe once a month? It's typically once every four weeks, five weeks. Uh, would you like for them to come out here and, you know, you guys help maybe distribute food? But, you know, they're getting the food from Tullahoma. Okay. Uh, and I said, absolutely. I said, you know, you, you like it when you get these type of ministry opportunities because, you know, people are coming into your 
area into into your driveway. I mean, that's right. that's, that's that's easy ministry opportunities, and you know, and you get your. Um, and I'm not saying we're trying to be like a Six Flags over Jesus, right? Uh, you know, but you know, but you want your name out there. Where the sense of you know when when somebody who uh, maybe you've witnessed to or talked to, and maybe they've they've never uh, received Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they go through that bad time, they're going like, you know, I need to go somewhere. And so I would hope that, you know, not just my church, right. um, I won't say my church, but, you know, the church I pastor, right. um, but that they would say, hey, you know what, I see this name a lot, and so I'm going to go check them out. That, that, that we would at least have that impact. You know, of course, not everybody's going to be saved the first time we talk to them, but right. you know, dif- a, a difficult time, a funeral, a loss, uh, that they'd say, you know what, I need to, to, to seek out help. You know what, and I've seen that this church desires to help, and so... Uh, let's let's get there. You know, years ago there was a pastor that um, I heard preach a sermon. His name was Ted Trailer, and Ted Trailer preached this sermon. He was talking about how um, that we are to share the gospel in word and deed. Yeah. And he had his hand motion. I don't know if you maybe you've ever caught him preaching that, but he talked about in word and deed how that in in uh, offering someone or meeting someone's need in in conjunction with. Sharing the spiritual food—that's mm-hmm. that's what we're looking to do. Um, we're we're looking to sow the seed, the word of God, and help someone uh, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we've got to tell them. And uh, we have all kinds of opportunities. And it sounds like that's one really good opportunity there um, at West Main Baptist Church. And uh, thankful for opportunities. I'm like you when you can have people that can come by your church facility and drive through your parking lot or whatever. Uh, it's a great opportunity to grab a hold of. Um, I know that um, your heart is one that's on evangelism. You said the word saved a moment ago. And uh, for our listeners and those that dial in here, they hear me using that same type of language as well. You know, everything we do, we're really looking for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that's why, you know, you gave up your um, business career and the, the track you were on to follow after God's call because this gospel— can change people's lives. Absolutely, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have changed careers or uh, left all those years of experience behind. And me either. I, I wouldn't. Have, I left the car business after thirteen years in management. I wouldn't have done that for just anything. Absolutely. You know um, the the message that we have is absolutely powerful because we're following a savior that can save anyone. And so that's what we're about. Certainly that's what you're about at West Main Baptist Church and then on the streets and everything that you do. Uh, tell me something else. You, um, I see you at, um, you've got a daughter playing at DeKalb West School, playing basketball, and, and uh, your children are involved in all kinds of activities. But tell me something. Are you not the scoreboard operator at the basketball games? Uh, I am. How did that opportunity come about? And uh, has that given you opportunities where you actually run into people and have more conversations than you could have? I, typically, of course, you know, when you're running the scoreboard, you know, goodness gracious, um, <laughs> there's a lot of fans that <laughs> uh, that they're very they're very uh, critiquey. I guess I know that's not a word, but they critique you quite a bit if if something's messed up. And of course, I'm good at messing something up. Uh, but but now as a as a pastor though, you're used to that. So uh, as a pastor, hey, listen, you're used to calling a shot, and everybody not they might like it, they might not like it. You're used to it's standing on the truth. Absolutely. And people have to accept that. So when you're running the scoreboard, you're in charge of the truth. Is that right? Um, well, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully that there's two scorekeepers that keeping the books behind me to make sure that you know it is accurate. But absolutely, you know, once it's once it's sealed, written in the book, 
Yeah, uh, it's, it's there, and there's no deviating from it. But, uh, yeah, I do enjoy it, and it, it does give me opportunities. And people, you know, see me out in the community. Now, again, of course, there's not always a lot of time to talk um, during the game, um, but right. uh, but it, 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 I think it provides a great opportunity that people see, you know what, that I'm just like them. You know, I'm just a man with uh, clay feet. I'm just a sinner just like them. Uh, it's just I've chose to uh, allow Christ to, to use me, which anybody can if – uh, if we're willing to to lay down and lay ourselves down to the cross, Amen, Amen. Dustin, let me ask you one more question, and then we're going to go to a segment where where I'm going to ask you some fast questions. We'll go to a lightning round in just a moment. Can you stick around for that? Okay. All right. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Um, listen, as you pastor church and you preach the Word of God, um, what would you say is um, from your chair, from your position? What's one of the biggest concerns you see facing the body of Christ uh, these days? If you had to say there's one thing that we're going to have to get right, what is that? You know, I I believe, and of course I want to make a lot of people upset, but I I think the need for men, men to sell out. Mm. Yes. um, You know, I I think, you know, I I love our ladies, and man, our, our ladies are phenomenal at serving, and they do so many things. Um, but, you know, the Scripture's clear about the man that leads his house. And I, I don't think we have, um, in all our churches typically, right. um, men uh, that want to step up and, and, and allow Christ to be first in their life. And so I think that's missing. I think it's missing in a, uh, a abundance uh, of churches. You know, we did that... Um, was it us that did that men's study? Uh, no, it wasn't us. It was Authentic Manhood. I did uh, that back at Rocky Valley years ago, yes. It, authentic Manhood, I did that one time, yes. But I, I remember them doing some sort of study over, I want to say it was in Africa, maybe, Africa. Um, but there was, uh, all of a sudden, this town had um, elephants. Just this, These young elephants would begin to run through the town, and they'd never had that happen before. Um, come to find out it was, you know, it continued to happen from my understanding, uh, and it was young male elephants, and they began to research why that was, uh, and evidently they had found that poachers had killed off all the dad elephants in order for their tusk. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, even nature, um, you know, exhibits um, in the animal kingdom things that, uh, that we need to take lesson from, and I, and I think that that's uh, exactly why we're seeing such godlessness now. Is um, Dad has taken um, he's taken lightly his call to to spiritually lead his home. We need men to lead in their home, and then that does translate over into the church. And Absolutely. so, you know, if you don't have men leading in the home, you won't have as many men leading at church. And uh, churches, listen, God has plans for women and men, just like you said, and. So thankful for all the women that serve in our churches, uh, but we need men to lead, and we need men. There's certain there's certain offices in the scriptures that that a man's got to lead in those, and so we need men to step up and to be the the leader in the home, but then also help lead in the church, and um, and and stand on convictions. Absolutely. You know, uh, we got a we got a, a country out here right now that just wants to say there's no absolute truth, and they um, want to just. Uh, take a cue from the culture all the time and listen we got the word of god we've got a bible and we certainly have the truth and so uh we want men to stand on the word hey listen listen i appreciate you sharing some time with me today we're going to take uh, a break for just a second we're going to come right back with a segment 
uh, called a lightning round. So if you'll stick around, we're going to do that. Does that sound good? That sounds good. All right, back with Dusty here. We're going to have a lightning round. Just some quick questions. These could be yes or no, or they could be fill in the blank. You know, I may pause and laugh a little bit depending on what you say. So just going to ask, there's no wrong answer here. But for our listeners and anyone that's wanting to get to know Dusty Decimony just a little bit more, here's some questions. So um, so you ready? I hope so. All right, here we go. Vacation, beach or mountains? Beach. Steak or chicken? Steak. Steak. You're a you're a Baptist preacher. You should have chose chicken. No. Well, you know, I noticed as I was pulling up here, you had a black stone griddle over there, and and I feel it's like blasphemous for you to have a black stone <laughs> McGriddle or McGriddle. McDonald's coming out a black stone griddle, and and all you probably cook on that is chicken, chicken. and bacon. And chicken and bacon is all right, but if there's no steak being cooked on that, and that's just horrible. We say no to moo over here at my house. So, all right, the next question is another one. This is a chicken question: Chick Fil A or Zaxby's? Zaxby's. Zaxby's. Yeah. Zaxby's. Really? Oh, my some people, goodness. Some people probably think that I'm lost because I, I like Zaxby's chicken, but I just something about them chicken tenders, man. Being a Chick-fil-A person means you're also a safe. I mean, I'm not sure if I can go with that. I, I Listen, I like both. When we lived in Glasgow, Kentucky, we had a Zaxby's but no Chick-fil-A, and I had to really warm up to Zaxby's. Now, Hannah, uh, my youngest daughter, still does not like Zaxby's at all, so you're a Zaxby person. I mean, I, I like Chick-fil-A. Don't get me wrong. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an equal opportunity chicken employer. Don't get me wrong. You know, if it's chicken, I'm going to eat it, too. <laughs> I mean, it's the Baptist in me. Um, but, you know, if I had my choice, and, of course, if my wife wasn't with me because she, She's always going Chick-fil-A, but yeah. uh, I would definitely go to Zaxby's. All right, next question. Batman or Superman? Superman. Superman. Dipping sauce, ketchup or ranch dressing? Ketchup. Ketchup. Um, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? The beach. The beach. Yeah. Uh, like Gulf, the Gulf? Florida. Yeah, Florida yeah. on the Gulf Shore. Okay. All right, how about bands? The Eagles or Journey, if you had to choose? Journey. Journey. Like a small-town girl living in a lonely world? I mean, I have been a small-town girl living in a lonely world. <laughs> Uh, whenever that song comes on, that's the only time I better be careful. I can't really say that anymore. <laughs> be that, taking literal. Coming from Lebanon, somebody from Smith will say you might be a city boy, <laughs> born and raised in South Detroit or whatever. That's. I mean, that's that's probably the case. You know, I'm I don't have much uh, learning on the farm. I would say Journey as well. I like the Eagles. Um, the older I get, the more I really dip into liking some seventies music. Yeah. And uh, and the Eagles, by the way. Uh, Bernie Ledden was one of their early guitarists. He was one of the, the first guys in the band, along with Glenn Fry and uh, some of those guys. And so Bernie Ledden was one of our customers at Beam and Pontiac, and um, that was in the early 90s. And uh, he come in, and he had a Suburban that was decked out. I mean, this thing was tricked out. But he would come in, and he would drop that off, and we would give him a ride over to Music Row. And he was over, like, writing music with people and and he learned, I was the dispatcher, he learned that if he would come in there and be a little nice to me, that I'd get his Suburban in and out of the shop. And so uh, but it was kind of cool getting to know him a little bit. But uh, So I'm a little little bit of an Eagles guy, Okay. but it's hard to deny Journey. I like Journey's overall body of work. I mean, I, I would like the Eagles as well. Yeah. You know, just uh, I would prefer Journey. All right, more questions. Dogs or cats? Cats. Cats. Okay. At least I'm, I'm a cat person, too. i got a dog named Hank now, but I'm a cat person. All right. Tennessee Vols or Vanderbilt? If you had to choose. I know you're a North Carolina fan, but... Uh, Tennessee Vols. Tennessee Vols. Yeah. 
I have struggled trying to become a Vol fan. As I pastor uh, Salem Baptist Church, they listen. I've learned this: if Tennessee Vols, if the Tennessee Vols at whatever sport, if they win on Saturday. It seems like we have a better worship service on Sunday. That's all. I don't know. Maybe it's because Kevin, our worship leader, is a UT guy through and through. Um, but we do. Uh, another another question um, on pizza. Listen, I know you're a pizza person with Decimony is your name. You've got to like pizza. But uh, store store pizza or box, big box pizza, Domino's or Papa John's? Papa John's. All right. And maybe one last. And this one right here is just going to tell me if I'm really good friends with you or not because I have a deep conviction about this. Are you an Apple person or Android? I'm an Android. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You may have to leave that and North Carolina, both in the same segment. Listen, Dusty, it's been good having you on uh, on Proving God's Will today. I hope that uh, you've enjoyed hanging out with me. Um, any last words before we go? I just appreciate you having me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, you're welcome. Listen, I hope to catch you soon. We've got other things we can talk about, so... Uh, uh, so maybe we'll have you back. Um, listen, folks, if you like the podcast, be sure and hit the subscribe button, like it, share it with a friend, and uh, come back and see us again soon. <laughs>